Hello, Integrity Church, or anyone who is listening. My name is Ben Tugwell, and this is a Mature and Multiply podcast. Today is Thursday, and it's May 7th, and I hope you're having a great week so far. Just want to give you another one another as we are in a series uh, called The One Another's. And if you missed the last couple of weeks, want to encourage you to go to our website at liveintegrity.org. And please just listen at least to the first episode called Love One Another. And that will set up sort of the rest of these one another's as we go through these together. Um, I'm going to be in Colossians chapter three today, and we're going to be talking about our third one another. And it begins in verse 12. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, he says, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now, obviously, there's a, another one another there, and it's bearing one another, and we'll talk about that one at another time. We'll talk about bearing one another's burdens, but the one I want to bring your attention to is forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven you. Now, obviously, the key to this verse is the fact that we forgive as Christ has forgiven us. So I want to unpack that in just a moment, but I want to go over some sort of misconceptions about forgiveness. Sometimes we have what I'm going to call pretend forgiveness, and it's sort of where we brush off how we've been wrong. It might We use maybe humor or sarcasm or avoid the issue or even laugh it off to act like something didn't bother us, and we say, well, I've, I've forgiven the person and it doesn't matter. I think forgiveness has to come when we actually grieve the loss of the hurt, grieve the loss of the person that has offended us or the person that has wronged us or betrayed us or whatever it is that causes a posture of forgiveness. So I think we can often do that and have pretend forgiveness or and I'll, I've been using another phrase because we often tie this word into forgiveness and that's reconciliation. And pretend reconciliation is when we move forward with the relationship with really no requirements or expectations of the one who has wronged us. Uh, we might go through and, and they've never really acknowledged that there was a problem or they've never really acknowledged that there was pain that was added to you. And so I want to make sure we understand that there is pretend forgiveness and pretend reconciliation. I think both need to tie in together. So I really want to explain what forgiveness and reconciliation are, because the heart in forgiveness should always be reconciliation. And so I want to, as we talk about what forgiveness really is, I am going to tie in how it is that Christ did forgive us and how it is that we can be reconciled to God. First of all, I want to use forgiveness. Forgiveness means that we do not hold a person's sin against them. And that's actually what Christ did for us. When Christ chose us before the foundation of the world, he drew us to himself. He died for us. He's saying, I'm not holding what you did against you. And because my sacrifice 
is going to be enough to pay the penalty. And in this vein, you sort of see texts like Jeremiah 31 that says that he will remember our sins no more. It's a wonderful passage, but it's often taken out of context. Sometimes people will use the phrase, forgiveness is forgetting, but that that's not actually what the Bible says. That's not even what that verse says. When God says in Jeremiah 31 that he will remember our sin no more, it doesn't mean that he sort of has amnesia. It doesn't mean like it's like the gun from minute black and it's zapped in his face and he can't remember what you did uh, in the past. It, it's not so much that it's really he he won't charge you for what you've done. That's what that's what forgiveness is. That's really the heart of forgiveness that God hasn't charged us for what we've done. And, and if we've been forgiven and we understand the weight of our sin and what Christ has done for us, that he won't charge us for the penalty of our sin because he paid the price for it, then we should, when people wrong us, have the posture of forgiveness. It doesn't mean that we no longer feel the pain of the offense. It doesn't mean that we cease for even longing for justice. It doesn't mean that we are to make it easy for the offender to to hurt us again. And it doesn't mean that it's a one-time climactic event where I've forgiven and I never think about it again. No, I believe that forgiveness is a lifelong process, in some cases, of, of intense hurt and pain if that's if that has happened to you. So forgiveness can be a process, but it's also a posture of our heart that I'm striving not to hold someone's sin against them. And I believe that that posture begins when we understand the grace and the mercy of God and how much he's forgiven us. So that's forgiveness. But how about reconciliation? Reconciliation is really when the relationship is restored. It's when truth is being rebuilt, that there's mutual between both parties, there's mutual respect and humility. And this is key. This only happens when both the offender and the offended come together with something to bring to the table. I've heard it said that it takes one sinner to repent, one victim to forgive, but it takes both to reconcile. One sinner to repent, one victim to forgive, but it takes both to reconcile. This is why forgiveness is possible for anyone who believes in Jesus. But reconciliation isn't always possible. And that's painful to hear, but it's true. And here's why. Because both of you have to come together with the same goal in mind. And sometimes the offender doesn't have that posture, doesn't have that desire. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, didn't Jesus reconcile us to God? And the answer is yes. Absolutely. But here's the, here's the interesting part about reconciliation. We couldn't come before God with anything to offer because without Christ and without the work of the Holy Spirit, we don't have a posture of reconciliation. So what did Jesus do? Well, he came on 
God's side of the table because he is wanting and desiring a relationship with us. And then he comes to our side of the table by sacrificing his life for us. So this is how God reconciled us to himself. The Bible says in Romans 5 verse 10, it says, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. Here's why. He says, by the death of his son, much more now, uh, he says that we are reconciled. Shall we be saved by his life? Verse 11, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. You even see Paul in 2 Corinthians. He says that because we've been reconciled to God, may we go with our lives with the ministry of reconciliation. And so this should really be the heart of all believers to forgive one another and to have the heart of reconciliation where the relationship is restored. Perhaps you've been through tremendous pain in your life and you've been hurt badly by someone. Perhaps it was even someone that was supposed to, to love you and to nurture you and to build you up. Perhaps it was a parent or a spouse or a close friend. And maybe even this thought of forgiveness is just so painful. May you remind yourself of the forgiveness that God has granted you. And may you have that heart of forgiveness, even though reconciliation may not be possible. But here's the thing. You may not ever have to see your victim again in order to forgive them. That's one of the wonderful things about this whole process of forgiveness and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you want a wonderful place to go, I would encourage you to, to open the Bible and turn to the book of Philemon. Philemon is just one chapter. It's just a few verses. And if you go through the story, it's an amazing story. It's about the Apostle Paul, and he's writing this letter to a wealthy man named Philemon. Philemon, who was wealthy again, he had a servant named Onesimus. Onesimus stole a bunch of things from Philemon and left Philemon never to see him again. But in a dramatic twist of God's providence, Onesimus, as he's run away from his master Philemon, he ends up in prison. And who does he end up in prison with? The Apostle Paul. And you can guess what happens. The Apostle Paul shares the gospel with Onesimus. And Onesimus becomes a believer in Christ, we can assume, based on the text. And the interesting thing is, Paul learns of, of Onesimus's story to run away from Philemon, who's wronged Philemon. And so Paul writes, as he's writing to the church of Colossae, the, the book we just read in Colossians 3, when he says, forgive one another, Paul gives an example of forgiveness by this little letter that he writes to this man, Philemon. And he tells Philemon, he says in verse 17 of Philemon, he says, so if you consider me your partner, he says, receive him, receive Onesimus as you would receive me. He says, if he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I love Paul's heart here because he has this desire to see two brothers forgive and to reconcile. And that's my hope for the church as we are a church scattered as we desire to love one another, 
may we forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us. Go in peace with this wonderful truth of forgiveness, my friends, and have a great weekend.